Hello, this is Drink the Music. A podcast where each week we listen to an album, make a cocktail, and have a chat about it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the music. Well, hello and welcome to volume four of Drink the Music. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela and Michaela. Uh, you know, last week we talked about Taylor Swift. That was some folk music. That was uh, weaving this tale, uh, this very melancholic tale. Um, and today we're getting into an album that's also weaving a tale. Um, it's a little bit more existential. Um, it's a little bit more crisis uh, management, kind of almost in a way. Uh, but we're talking about one of my favorite albums uh, of all time from one of my favorite bands of all time. That is the 2003 album Absolution by Muse. Yeah. I'm so excited to get your take on all of these uh, things and all of these songs, because um, this is, I think, the third album uh, for Muse, and it mm -hmm. came mm -hmm. out in 2003. There's a lot going on uh, in 2003, uh, and it's sad it, and strangely I ironic looking back on this now and thinking that this was a, like a very apocalyptic kind of take on the what the world what was happening in the world and yep. and if we could only go back and <laughs> and tell these people then, you know that 20 years from now they've not seen anything yet in 2003 there's so much more to come uh that, that could yeah. that could be considered worse um which is amazing but uh these these things did create some of the most uh amazing kind of um like you said kind of esoteric a rock, almost like rock opera without it being operatic. Like mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. this the muse like stormed in on the scene um, with this album. I feel like I hadn't heard that of them before this came out when you had hysteria um, hit the radio and the other one that's not called hysteria <laughs> uh, time is running out. <laughs> the other one that's not called hysteria. That's right. Time is running out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Muse kind of kind of came onto the scene uh, pretty hot, pretty fast, um, but not really in a way. Um, and I've got some got some uh, info here on the uh, background of Muse a little bit, Michaela. So Dominic Howard, uh, who's the drummer for Muse, he met Matthew Bellamy, uh, who is the, the lead man, the guitarist, the piano player, uh, when Bellamy auditioned to be in Dominic's band, uh, Carnage Mayhem, which is a pretty cool name. Pretty cool name. Uh, the band was then renamed to Gothic Plague. Uh, also cool name. Uh, they recruited Chris Wollstenholm, uh, who was the bass player for Muse. Uh, he was a drummer um, and said, yeah, I can do that. Started taking uh, bass guitar uh, lessons and came on to be the bass player for Muse, uh, which is amazing to me uh, because one of the songs on this album, uh, Hysteria, is like the 11th rated uh, like bass lick of all time, according to like, uh, like I don't know, like some guitar website thing I was looking on. Like it's it's incredible that you could just pick that up and learn it when you're in college to do that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so he came, uh, joined up the bands and they renamed again to Rocket Baby Dolls. Uh, not as good of a name. Uh, and they went to this battle of the bands, which they won and decided they should probably start taking their banding a little bit more seriously um, if they wanted to be a band. So they renamed to Muse and began playing a lot. Uh, all over England, uh, London, Manchester, uh, all of these clubs. Um, I think like, I think it's called like the, the Cavern or the Cave or something like that, uh, which is in London, um, and playing there a lot um, and kind of kept going back and forth, but they can never really land this record deal in the UK. So they came over to the United States. Uh, they played on like the new band stage at the 99 Woodstock, uh, got a record deal, uh, went back to England, got a record deal there um, and boom, their uh, career was off. They had their first album, Showbiz, came out in 1999. Um, it was followed by Origin of Symmetry in 2001, uh, but we never heard about that here in the United States because there was a bit of squabble between the two 
two record labels in the band. So that never came out until 2005. So really, uh, when we get Absolution in 2003, at least here in the States, that was only the second glimpse we ever had at Muse. And that was the first time, same as you, Michaela, I'd ever heard them. Uh, time is running out. I uh, came onto the radio and that kind of set the scene uh, for Muse. It got up the charts a little bit, 107th, I think, on the Billboard uh, top charts, which is good enough, basically, to kind of plant the seed and says, Muse is viable in America. Let's let them go forward, be fruitful, multiply, win a couple of Grammys, uh, which is what they've done. Uh, but it all started here, um, at least in my eyes, with Absolution. Yeah, so I I'm so excited uh, to dive into this because this is not, uh, this is very different. I mean, it's only the third volume that we've done for Drink the Music, but it's a very, very different band, right? Where we are in uh, to some heavy drums, we're into some very uh, beautiful haunting kind of uh, symphonic um, falsetto-ness, right? Which is different than Coldplay, um, but kind of in that higher register, um, I feel like this whole album was um, a, a, an entertainment experience, right? Where mm -hmm. you're, you could go and do this. Remember, this was it came out in 2003, so Napster was a thing. Um, uh, maybe not for very much longer, but people could definitely go and download just a song somewhere you know, off the internet. And so we were just beginning to see whether or not that was going to have an effect on records um, and albums as a whole. So this album was definitely meant to be listened to like uh, an old fashioned record in the sense that it has an intro, it has an interlude. Um, it, to me, definitely has these sweeping kind of uh, buildups and crescendos the way that an opera would, even though this to me doesn't have the same sort of operaticness as say Iron Maiden would have. Like this is a different, mm -hmm animal altogether, uh, but still incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to get into all that, what we like about the album, uh, what we don't like about the album, and uh, go through the tracks here in just a minute. But before we do that, so we're going to have to take a quick break um, and mix up a cocktail that is worthy of, I don't know, some existential crisis that you're about to have while you're listening to this thing. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to mix up this week's drink. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so Michaela, if we're going to be getting in uh, to Musa's album Absolution, I was looking for some cocktails, and you know, you had a lot of a lot of things to go off of. I was thinking about what kind of flavors I would want to have in there, which led me down kind of this rabbit hole of looking at absinthe. Uh, I was thinking some absinthe drinks. I uh, really seemed like they were going to fit kind of the tone, the mood, uh, kind of the I don't know, like the the artistic like expressions that Muse is, is playing around with that. And that led me to a couple of cocktail variants and I actually found one called the Absolution, which is a riff on the last word, which is a very, very classic cocktail. But the Absolution to me seemed like kind of this perfect thing because it is, it's, I don't know, it's luscious, it is strong, it is very strong, uh, which is what this album is coming straight out of the gates. Um, but it also has kind of this, this 
I'm almost kind of like like inner inner look, right? When you think of absinthe, you think of like poets going to France uh, and drinking absinthe, oh, yeah. and that's that's kind of the same vibe I get. Absolutely, actually, from uh, the album Absolution. So we're gonna mix one of these up, uh, Michaela. It's real simple because it's even parts, uh, which is a cocktail method that I love myself because it's easy to remember. Uh, but I'm uh, gonna put this together. So go ahead and chill down like a martini or a coupe glass. Um, and then you're going to put into your shaker tin three quarters ounce of Benedictine, three quarters of an ounce of Maraschino liqueur, uh, Luxardo, uh, three quarters of an ounce of Applejack. Um, if you can't find Applejack, you could use um, some apple brandy or you could just use like some rye whiskey, something like that. Um, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. And then you're going to take that, shake that with some ice and then strain it into your coupe glass that you've misted a little bit of absinthe over. If you don't have a mister, you can just pour in just like a like a teaspoon or so, kind of give it a rinse around the glass, pour out any excess, and then uh, pour in your drink. Uh, it's going to be ice cold. Uh, it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be delicious. I don't know, uh, Michaela, but I found this uh, recipe. I wasn't sure what to think about it. Uh, those Every time I see Benedictine on a recipe, I'm like, I don't know. Do I like Benedictine? And every time I have it, yes, the answer is yes. Why don't I do more things with this bottle of Benedictine I've had for That's years? That's right. Yeah. Well, I think I feel that way with the absinthe as well, because I don't like licorice. Absinthe definitely has this kind of licorice-y uh, hue to it. This, um, And I agree with you. This uh, looked, when you sent me, when you sent me the ingredients list, I was like, this is going to be awful. I don't think I like any of these things. And then I made it and was like, oh my gosh, this is dark it's very there's a lot going on in the glass we definitely a uh, word to the wise if you don't have a mister and you just pour a little bit of absinthe in there make sure that you um pour out the excess because that will overpower the entire yeah. uh mm -hmm. benedictine applejack luxardo kind of uh, story you got going and you don't want that you really want to be able to taste kind of the deepness of the cherry um that applejack the the apple brandy is really uh, got adds a nice hint of sweetness to it. And Benedictine, why don't we do more with Benedictine? We need to do another drink the music with just Benedictine <laughs> drinks um, next yeah. time on the lobby bar. It's just three things you can make with Benedictine because it's so right. good. Yeah, top 10 Benedictine drinks coming your way on a future lobby bar for sure. Yeah, this was this was really good. The last word is a cocktail that I like a lot. It's, um, you know, same, same kind of thing. It's uh, rye whiskey and green chartreuse uh, in there, but equal parts. And this was kind of a riff on that. I found it from... Uh, where did I find this from? I found this from Kindred Cocktails and yeah, it seemed perfect to me for this album. So uh, I thought let's uh, mix it up and try it out and try it out. We did. It was delicious. Uh, and I think that you're going to love it out there. So make sure you give this one a try, uh, mix one up, send us pictures, all that good stuff. And it's going to be perfect to pair with this week's album, uh, Absolution. So why don't we do this, Michaela? Let's mix up another one of these cocktails. We'll go grab the record. We'll put it on and we'll be right back to chat about Muse's 2003 album. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spoiler warning for Muse's Absolution album. <laughs> spoiler album. warnings. We're not doing spoiler warnings. You can't spoil Look, an album. Go listen to you, I go guess you can. Absolution. I guess go you listen to Absolution. Yeah, I mean, you, you could. I mean, we should talk about... So you 
intro we should talk about the intro first that's what we should talk about it's like 25 <laughs> seconds long and it truly yep. sets you up for this album of many songs it does yeah it's an intro it's right in the name uh their track number one is this intro it's kind of this um it's kind of this march uh you're hearing uh very much like this uh goose step kind of thing going in here and it's uh kind of setting the tone uh for this very apocalyptic tale that you're uh, about to get into and it you know runs right into track number two apocalypse please um and i really like uh the song it's got like this tearing uh piano uh it's very like heavy metal piano uh very beethoven-esque coming in um this song in a lot of ways is almost like the most heavy metal sounding song on the album which is interesting because there's not really any sort of lead guitar parts to it it's just the the piano and a little bit of bass drum and the or a little bit of the bass guitar and uh drums um and yeah basically this song is saying this is the end of the world it's setting the apocalyptic tone for the album um and you can kind of look at that you know kind of in any way that you want to right is it by war or by uh, the government or by religion or technology um it's really kind of opening that door for how you're looking at the apocalypse uh the impending apocalypse here yeah for sure i think uh i actually made some really good notes uh because i had never heard this album before. And mm. I feel like Apocalypse Please was very much like a slap in the face of like, if we were watching this or we were in like a symphonic experience of wa watching this on stage where people were playing it, uh, we would want to know we're in the middle of like a war zone. I felt like there was um, again, these layers of drums mixed with uh, the, kind of these synthesizing pianos or keyboards. Um, and then this beautiful, haunting, really high registered tenor singer that's got this just the lyrics are really interesting. But like the way in which he kind of vibrates through the song is really interesting. It's a little scary, um, you know, going from um, something that. You know, the intro kind of lets you know something's coming, but man, you are smacked with this. You're just, yeah. and then you're in it for the rest of the album. It's great. Yeah, the the pianos come in, they hit really hard. I almost uh, kind of liken this when I'm listening to it. Like I'm like I'm picturing like Matt Bellamy sitting at the piano like in this dark room. Um, and this is kind of almost like this dystopian manifesto uh, that he's weaving and putting down on page here, which um, I think is is pretty interesting. So that's how you get the album started off there uh, with the intro and Apocalypse Please, uh, which gives way to kind of the big main uh, single. This was the first ever uh, music song that I ever heard. Um, Time is running out. Um, it was... Uh, one of the last album or one of the last songs recorded uh, for the album and uh, kind of added to it. And I think that it was kind of the first like like crossover hit, right? This this was kind of the the benchmark that said Muse could be successful uh, here in America, which transformed them from a very big European band, which is pretty good to being a very big, uh, you know, kind of kind of cross the pond band, which is a real big deal. Um, it's kind of this uh, pseudo like love song about a real unhealthy relationship, which is uh, kind of a uh, arena Matt Bellamy explores a lot especially um, uh, he's had a relationship and a child with Kate Hudson and that's something that gets explored with uh, throughout kind of Muse's uh, albums um, you know and if you're looking at this album as kind of like this like end of days telling uh, you're looking at this relationship and that's kind of all that you're left with yeah it's uh, it's one of those um, the intro to this song the very first like 35 seconds or so really sets you up for this 
idea that you're, you're going to love this song, but it's going to be painful. And the uh, the lyrics where he's talking about, I'm not going to let you kill it. I'm not going to let you smother it. Um, I remember I had never really listened to the lyrics before, other than knowing that, you know, he's the the chorus. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, what are they what are they talking about? What is he saying? Is it a person? Is it a baby? Is it? A, and, and it's kind of like that, where it's this relationship that's like you're going to ruin it and we're going to run out of time and the world is ending. Because remember, we just listened to Apocalypse, please. Um, right. So you're like, I, I OK, it's um it's really daunting. Um, and I'm, I'm sad in a way that it's the first time that I listened to this album, uh, for the sake of the pod, because I think that if people hear it on the radio, they get a much different view of what this is than if you hear it in context with the album itself. Um, Mm -hmm. because at the beginning you think that it's like this really hot, like song that people would use in like, um, commercials or people could use to show somebody cool walking down the street like that's what you think of but it's Mm -hmm. really something much altogether very different darker (laughs) uh much more emotionally driven very and very sad very um you know poetically dark Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and it has kind of that same kind of kind of thing that a lot of really good um, hit singles have is that it, it sounds good on the radio, right? It has kind of like this hooks to it. But when you listen to it in the context of the album, um, it plays completely differently. And that is exactly uh, what that song uh, does here. Time is running out, uh, which leads into a song number four, Sing It for Absolution. Um, so this one has a lot more of that falsetto uh, kind of vocal range uh, that Matt Bellamy uses. And it goes up, it kind of gets into like this etherealness of it. Um, it's it's kind of like a breakup song, almost in a way. Uh, but like the cause of that breakup is really vague. An absolution? Um, is it uh, is it death? Is it like religious ascension? Is it uh, a failed enlightenment uh, kind of thing? Um, it's a lot of piano, uh, very light coming in, and then it goes into this uh, just obnoxiously like crazy guitar uh, outro kind of solo sort of thing. Um, and like I like some of the the lyrics here and and this, like I said, it's kind of like this breakup song are just absolutely searing, right? Our wrongs remain unrectified and our souls won't be exhumed. That's as, that's about as angsty as, as you can get putting pen to paper right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the right word is emo for this, but I definitely feel like I wanted to wear black lipstick and dye everything I owned black uh, at the end of this, because even at the beginning, the lyrics are your lips are turning blue, a kiss that can't renew. I only dream of you, my beautiful. This very much uh, made me think of like Edgar Allan Poe, Annabelle Mm. Lee, like someone has died. I mean, (laughs) and there's no, there's no getting it back. Um, I'll be singing and falling from your grace. I mean, though it's so dark and I really love, this is the first kind of slower song on the album. And so it was nice to see them give us a break a little bit on some of the really harsh um, drums and uh, and guitar. Although um, the melody of the kind of tenor register is super haunting. I think this one, um, stayed with me for a lot longer than I thought it was going to after listening to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For sure. So that is track number four, uh, Sing for Absolution, uh, which goes into track number five, Stockholm Syndrome, uh, which takes its name from uh, kind of that syndrome that they studied and uh, took from those bank robbers that uh, basically got the the captives uh, to 
basically fall in love uh, with them, right? Is kind of what that is. And that's kind of what the song is about. It's uh, a very, very driving uh, kind of rock song, which, you know, gives way a lot of this album kind of goes from like these uh, very like, I don't know, piano melodies to uh, just like these searing uh, guitar pieces kind of back and forth. That one is happening right here uh, for sure. Um, and I think that um, this one speaks a little bit more to like losing yourself or losing your love to whatever you think absolution is about, right? Whatever you think this album is about, I think that this song is kind of like, uh, this is you losing uh, your loved one, your your love, your romantic love, your your family, you know, whatever the case is, losing it to that, right? So losing it to religion or to politics or to uh, wars or, you know, whatever the case is, whatever you think about it, um, Stockholm Syndrome comes in really nicely and kind of slots that story in to remind you that this song could be about you. Yeah, I I really loved the the lyrics. All my life, I've been on my own. I used to light. I used the light to guide me home, but now together we're alone, and there's no place I'd ever want to go. Baby, look what you've done. I mean, it's like when a relationship ends and you're with a person still, <laughs> you're you're more alone than you've ever felt, uh, than you'd ever maybe felt when you were alone in the first place, and yet because of the maybe toxic unhealthiness of it you're like, I still don't want to be anywhere else, but in this place that's totally unhealthy and I'm miserable. <laughs> it's, um, it's the lyrics here really got me. And one of the things that I loved about this song was the, the layering of the heavy drums. Um, the drums really drove a lot of the song for me, but then these really beautiful lighter, like licks from the guitar. And then of course, you know, the, the, the singing and the vocals, this really tied together like a rope of three prongs for me or three threads that kind of brought things together in, in a way that the other songs that other songs on this album didn't. And I thought that that was a really interesting take, um, for anybody that's never that, that is not normally a, a Muse fan, I think this is a really amazing um, song to be like, hey, if you don't know Muse, this this tells you a lot of what you need to know about what they're about musically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is a uh, Stockholm syndrome, which gives us way into kind of this uh, little three track. Uh, kind of thing going on here and it starts with number six falling away with you uh, which is this um, you know kind of just like plucked out guitar piece it's really slow it's really really quiet and it's really really <laughs> angsty uh, for sure it's talking about kind of the memories um, and pains associated with losing love I really like kind of um, kind of through these uh, choruses here um, it's like I feel my world and I feel my life I feel my soul uh, falling away with you uh, which is about as angsty again as it can get this is a very uh, angst driven uh, album uh, for sure and that's what this one is it's almost like mournful sounding um, like you don't know you don't know what happened but you know it's very like regretful and mournful uh sounding but it, it's very slow it's very melodic it's very pretty it's a very pretty song um and it's going to give way to just kind of this like typhoon of noise that's about to come yeah yeah and it does come uh uh with hysteria and interlude those those are much different right we have this 
again, it's a roller coaster, right? You're smacked at the very beginning with this idea that you're in this apocalyptic wasteland. Um, then you have these really sad love songs that are focused on like the death of a relationship and how that can liken to an actual death or feeling like you're trapped, but you don't want to be anywhere else. Falling away with you is like the end of that for me, where you're, you're now scraping at the bottom of the barrel of your own emotions and you so filled with missing and longing and you feel your soul is literally crumbling. It's, um, I, yeah, <laughs> it's really, man, it was, um, it's hard to really describe. Like, I feel like, and you said it earlier when we were talking about this album, that it's something that you would liken to a, uh, like a poet's den in Paris doing, you know, drinking absinthe, right? This mm. very much was like, if I was, this is kind of, to me, the darkest part of the album before it, it kind of goes through and finds the anger again. It's very hopeless. And you're, you know, thinking about being in a room with your with people listening to this, where you're 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 all just completely kind of um, there. There is no more hope. There's nothing left to give. There's nothing. You're just you're just at the end of your rope, kind of. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I kind of I kind of look at that song almost as like this like like piece of music uh, of like like a wake where you're looking at your love uh, that's just died and it, it transitions uh, very seamlessly and beautifully into uh, the interlude here, uh, track number seven, uh, which is basically a carbon copy of Adagio for Strings by Samuel Barber, uh, the American composer. Listen to that. It's gorgeous. It's the same kind of uh, chord progression here, except obviously here with Muse, you're doing it on this very fuzzed out guitar, uh, which sounds incredible. Um, I really love the interlude here um, and how it plays into this song. And then of course it drops out uh, perfectly blended into track number eight, which is hysteria uh it's got this opening bass line that is just absolutely um insane um uh matt bellamy comes in and plays guitar this is probably the most kind of like guitar show-offy part of the album uh same for the bass line really and you know both of these uh gentlemen uh matt and chris are very accomplished at their instruments um but this album to me really kind of strips it back and we're getting more more piano a little bit more uh, melodic kind of things um and i really like this song i mean obviously it's it's one of the hit singles from the album um so it plays very well but but i like i like this song because it's it's almost like this like unaccepting like insatiable like bit of rage uh that you know falling away from you like like caused basically right it's like like you leave that you leave you leave the love and then you go here and you just go on a bender and that's what hysteria sounds like to me yeah no i think you're right because <laughs> now i'm i'm so brokenhearted i can't lament that anymore and now i'm just going to turn that into something um that is going to drive uh me forward and and nothing like good old-fashioned rage for that nothing like good old-fashioned rage that's right um give me your heart and your soul and give me an album break michaela because we are halfway through the album now it is time to flip over that vinyl if that's how you're going to be listening to it that's how we're listening to it here at drink the music uh, we're going to mix up another one of our absolution cocktails and get into this a little bit so michaela kind of at the top you asked me uh when did i hear muse the first time um and uh i would like to tell you now it is uh uh, time is running out that is the first muse song that i ever heard um i heard it on the radio i was in college in the year 2003 so you can go ahead and do whatever mathematics you would like there um but this came on a uh, radio station it's called 89x uh, it was out of windsor ontario um 
which was neat because I got a lot of Canadian music. I got a lot of UK music there uh, coming out of Canada. Uh, now 89X has turned into a country music station, uh, which I've found out today in researching uh, for this, which makes me sad. It makes me really sad because I learned a lot about music listening uh, to that radio station. And I learned about Muse listening to that radio station. It was the first time that I'd ever heard them, right? No, I never heard of showbiz. I, I still never heard of showbiz for like 10 years after uh, I first listened to this album. So uh, what what about you, Michaela? I'm assuming you're kind of the same way, right? Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that, you know, uh, our time is running out or hysteria were like these like massive, like chart topping hits because they weren't, but they were good enough that I think most people kind our age probably knew of these songs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, at that point I was also in college and um, there was, uh, you know, college radio, uh, even in college station, Texas, which was about the size of a footprint um, on the map even then um and it's I, I do remember hearing it and uh hearing time is running out and thinking this is really good um I hope uh at the time I was like man I hope that they don't get pigeonholed because of their sound because it was so unique at the time mm-hmm. um I mean this was you know they get they get compared a lot <clears throat> on reddit to like the killers uh they get compared a lot to some other bands that in all honesty they sound nothing like um but they have this really signature sound kind of like radiohead has a signature sound right like mm-hmm. you you know you're listening to muse um and you will know if someone's trying to pass that off as something else right like they have this incredibly unique sound and i really liked that um i'm glad that you when you look at the album it showcases more than the sounds that are that the two singles had um because i think that that would get old (laughs) but i think that the um the forthcoming albums after this too really showed their depth. Um, and so it, I, I don't know. I really, really, I remember that time it was in the fall and I remember it was cold out. And I remember that this seemed like a perfect, like spooky, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when it's got that like kind of melodic, I'm, I'm butchering it, but hopefully you know what I'm talking about where it was right. very mm-hmm. almost, almost like, like the, uh, like some of the musical scores that we've talked about in the past, right? Like the the very just eerie, creepy, angsty stuff that when you're young and everything is huge and every relationship we, you have is like so important to you. And if you remember in the year early 2000s, I mean, we were going to uh, we were going to war. We had just been attacked as a country. So we were kind of in this, is the world ending? Is this the world ending? And uh, this really captures that moment in time. That whole album does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a theme um, that Muse explores a lot, really, through kind of all of their albums. But this is this is almost the most cohesive of that telling, I think, uh, between any of the albums. Um, and I like it really from that standpoint there. But yeah, same as you, you know, kind of heard those uh, those first couple of singles. Really liked it. Got the album. Really loved the album. Um, and kind of fell in love with Muse in that way. But you know, as we mentioned, Muse wasn't really that big of a deal here um, in the United States. So one of the things that I always wanted to do was I always wanted to go see Muse in concerts. Um, they weren't doing a lot of touring here. Um, they ended up eventually doing um, 
like this opening gig for you too, which is a pretty good, pretty good gig. Um, if you're doing uh, rock and roll music there in 2008, and then they finally came and did their first like big, huge, like blown out uh, stadium tour uh, in the United States in 2009. So I was always looking at them. I'm like, man, Muse has won like a hundred awards for being like the best live act um, in Europe and the UK and uh, Germany, all of these awards they've been winning. I'm very excited to see them. Uh, and then I was actually moving uh, to Europe myself. Um, and on that same year, the same year I moved to Europe, uh, they came and did their first American tour and they played about two hours from here uh, on my birthday. Uh, that was a slap in the face, Muse. You're lucky that I stuck with you uh, after I was oh, slided. No. So I was slided. So um, I have been able to see them uh, talk about that here in a second, but I think you've seen Muse as well, Michaela. Um, actually, yeah. So my husband uh, and I got an opportunity um, with some friends. It was a kind of a drunken late night purchase. I'm not going to lie. We were like, hey, they're coming. Is it going to be good? I don't know. Um, and it's it to this day. Uh, it's my it's one of my husband's favorite like live shows he's ever been to. And he's a Pearl Jam fan. Um, they don't there. He's like, a fanatic uh uh so everything is you know always kind of compared to that and found wanting so take that with a grain of salt but um seriously one of the most amazing experiences because they they know how to put on a show and it's um it is a sight to see if you are a muse fan at all even if you're uh kind of a like me kind of their like a, like a frosting fan is what I would like to, to say that I was because I didn't heavy listen to any of their albums. I would know them if I heard them, but that was it. I still thought that it was a really amazing show. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very amazing show. And um, I've had the chance now to see them three times. I saw them way back in 2013 um, in Columbus, Ohio, and actually uh, just uh, this year again in Columbus, Ohio. So like it was almost 10 years to the day uh, that I saw them there. And I saw them uh, here in Charlotte when they were in town in 2017. And uh, Muse concert uh, will blow you away. Um, it is it's not like not like over the top, right? It's not like Kiss, but it is very um I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't even call it like theatrical, but just like the like the stagemanship of yeah. these three gentlemen and what they what they pull off and do is really, really spectacular. And then, uh, you know, the way they perform live is also incredible. So it's so a very good, very well warranted. If you ever have the chance to get out and see Muse live, uh, highly, highly recommend doing that. Agreed. All right. Well, that's going to take care of our album break. Let's uh, grab our cocktail and get back into it then. Michaela, we are on to side B, and the first track of side B is track number nine, Blackout. Um, uh, Blackout, to me, it's uh, very much, uh, I don't know, It's it, it works on a lot of levels. Uh, this one hits me real hard listening to it right now. Um, it's like, uh, you know, kind of this uh, midlife uh, crisis piece, but I think that you could look at it either on like, like just like your journey, like into adulthood, right? Like you're, like you're getting out of like the house for the first time or like on your deathbed. And um, it's talking about stuff like uh, this love's too good to last, um, this life's too good to last, or uh, this could be the last. Um, it's very, it's very existential and thinking about kind of your place within all of this in the world, which is, which is obviously a theme uh, for the album, but it gets you right back on track, right? We just went from Hysteria, which is this big um, bombastic uh, single of Fury, and it gets you into um, end a blackout, which is more like, you no, know, come back down, come back down to earth here. Uh, don't look at the album cover with those people flying away. Uh, come back down here. We're still talking about how you don't understand right. your place in all of this. Uh, there's a lot of uh, heavy reverb and uh, kind of this guitar solo bit in the middle. Um, the guitar is really beautiful. It almost sounds like a violin more than it does, guitar, yeah. uh, which is really pretty, but uh, blackout gets us kicked back off. 
Yeah, it sure does. I mean, I feel like it's interesting that you said that this is kind of like a midlife crisis because I, I feel like the the kind of reality hit, it's almost also, it's, I don't think it's meant to be hopeful, but I think that in spite of it, I was hopeful listening to it because it's like, this is, this is just a phase. And if this is just a phase, if the good part's just a phase, then the bad part might only be a phase. Um, when it's like, I'm too old to dream. It's like, are, are we though? Because there's, there's a, a, an ability, that especially during that solo kind of in the middle of the song. Um, that's kind of where my mind went, where if it's like, don't grow up too fast, enjoy every moment because this moment's going to change and this moment's going to end. Um, and then there'll be another moment. So it's kind of the good and the bad, right? Um, it's highly angsty, but that's kind of how I took it. <laughs> and maybe it's because uh, if you're going over to a, a whole new, you've turned over and now you're on the B side uh, of the of the album, maybe, maybe you're too hopeful and it needs to beat you back down. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So that is track number nine, Blackout, uh, which goes into my favorite song on the album, Michaela, number 10, Butterflies and Hurricanes. Um, you could definitely look at the song and think that it's kind of like some like like protest of like war uh, song, right? Uh, your number has been called, fights and battles have begun, revenge will surely come. Um, but I think you could also just kind of look at it and uh, could be kind of seen as like compliance basically to any kind of system, um, which is, you know, the theme of this album uh, really is how you how you fit into like these systems that were, that were forced into, um, you know, being this cog of the wheel kind of thing. Um, there's like this little like synth staccato bit, um, which gives way to this just like massively, uh, crazy uh, piano like concerto just in the middle of it um I like to think of it you know the song is called butterflies and hurricanes like like it's almost like this like very raucous bit and then it goes into like the eye of the hurricane where you're just getting this like beautiful whimsical uh piano concerto and then it just like hits that wall and just goes back like you know cranks it to 11 to go uh kind of through the rest of this but yeah my favorite uh, song on the album um and an album that I like a lot of the songs on to be honest but this is my favorite yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one, too. I think the end, uh, right before the end, the way the music kind of gets lighter, it's almost like a coming home, um, uh, like a, kind of a Valhalla effect, I feel mm -hmm. like, um, that it did, because you're right. I mean, it's when I thought of the idea of butterflies and hurricanes, the first thing I thought of was um, the small moves that butterflies make and the, 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 the idea of the butterfly effect, right? That you, you could get a hurricane instead of snow, uh, you know, or something like that. And so how, you, you know, if you're gonna change the world, use this chance to be heard, it, even if it's something small, um, it can have a really big effect. I don't know. I thought that there was there was something to it with that as well. Um, and mm -hmm. don't you know, your last chance is here. So, you know, take it for all it's worth, um, which I thought was a really interesting kind of juxtaposition from um, the last song. Right. Which is basically, you know, Blackout is like, all right, come back down to Earth. Nothing's going to happen. It was very like uh, back and forth to me, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I like how. Um... At the at the tail end of the last kind of chorus section it's it's the same exact chorus but the way it's delivered it almost like flips it on its head to being like yeah. like you're a piece of this machine so now you have ownership over over what you're That's doing right. right you've got to be your yep. best you've got to change the world and use this chance to be heard um so it's it's almost like like hopeful right like seize the day um almost yeah. here in this on um, this last as opposed to being you know piece of piece of this machine so uh track 10 we get into track 11 here the small print um 
I think there's uh, probably a couple uh, interpretations of this song. Uh, you could look at it through like a lens of like addiction or stardom. Um, I always kind of looked at it, and this is at, like the very like dawn of all of this stuff. I think MySpace launched in the same time, but I almost looked, I always looked at this song as like the price you pay to live uh, kind of in this uh, digital future. Um, there's something, there's a, a line here and it's like, you know, sell, or I'll sell your memories for 15 pounds per year, but just the good days, right? So it's almost like whenever I think of the song, I think about like posting on Instagram and uh, posting on yeah. Facebook and things, and you're only showing the best side of yourself and you're basically selling this version of yourself. Um, and I've always kind of been creeped out by it, but I've always really liked it. Um, especially, like I said, this came out in 2003, um, which I think was like the same year that Facebook or that MySpace launched. And, you know, Facebook wasn't even for a couple of years, but that's what I always uh, kind of associate it with um, is it's a tale of like this uh, Faustian bargain. And uh, that's kind of what the working title was uh, for this was very much looking at uh, Goat's poem, uh, Faust, and things like this of, you know, basically selling your soul uh, to the devil making making some, uh, some deal there. Um, and that's, that's what this one is about. But yeah, I always I always looked at it as like this as like this digital future piece. And I don't know if that's what it was intended to be, or if it was uh, prophetic in that way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think you probably have something uh, are, are pulling a good thread there. One of the things that I really liked, uh, if I can say musically, um, is at the very beginning, there's like this huge assaultive drum piece, right, where your ears are just kind of taking a battering and it's right off the bat. It's right in your face. And then the guitar um, kind of the whammy. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm using the right words, but like right before the second verse, um, it was super weird and I really liked it and I don't really know how to say it other than that, but I thought that was so super cool. And I found this was the point at which when I watched or listened to this album for the very first time that I really got into Muse as a band. Um, because this is not something I'm used to listening to a, a ton of. And so this was, the, to me, this was when my brain and my body and my ears kind of was like ah i get, i get it i'm i'm into it i like it like i can i can stay along for the ride and it was really amazing because i was able to listen to it many times after that um and really enjoy the songs in a different way but i i do think that if you've never listened to this album this is it's probably about this time if you're still not a muse fan after this you're probably just not going to be a muse fan because it 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 clicked for me during the song for sure yeah, there you go. Absolutely. So uh, that was track 11. And then we get into track number 12, Endlessly, uh, which is kind of like this uh, synthesizer uh, with some drums and bass. It has kind of this like pop ballad feel to it. Um, if you are a fan of Muse's uh, discography, uh, the small print track 11, it kind of sounds to me like a song that would have been on Origins of Symmetry, the album before this. Endlessly sounds more like a song that would have come off of um, their, their following album. Uh, black holes and revelations uh to me um but i i don't know this song is it's really good it's 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 a little bit more melodic and it's it's talking about i don't i don't know it's like a like an unrequented love it reminds me a lot of kind of the songs on Coldplay's Viva La Vida that we listened mm -hmm. to of of having this love that maybe you never really you know had the boldness or uh, you know the confidence to you know go and say, you know, that I love you. This one, this one to me has kind of that same sort of feeling um, in terms of like the theme of this song. Um, you know, it's saying that, you know, I'll love you uh, endlessly. I'll give you everything, but I won't give you up. Um, I won't let you down. I won't leave you falling. Um, yeah, it's it's very much just like this adoration uh, piece on kind of these 
these strange, much darker uh, kind of love tones through the through the album. Yeah, this one was much less kind of victim ish. I felt where um, they they themselves were the victim rather than victimizing or or being in a toxic relationship where they both have had done damage to each other. Um, I found it ironic that uh, so in the last song I had just kind of opened up my my whole uh, I don't know my soul my musical soul to be like all right I'm in it I get it I think I think I can get into this I think I think I actually might be like a real Muse fan and then this song completely changed everything because it sounds like nothing else on this album and I was like huh well that's interesting <laughs> um, I definitely think that this. Uh, would have been my favorite um, if I hadn't really dived in to each song a little bit more over time. Like if I had just listened to this once, I would have said, oh, this is my favorite song, probably because mm -hmm. it's the softest. It's the it's a slow song. It's still got that beautiful melody of the, you know, of the registry of the vocals, um, but it's a lot less uh, angry. <laughs> um you know, it's just, it's got a lot less of the things that makes Muse Muse. So I was glad to see uh, that this is, my, you know, they had this sound previously. Um, and it's just a, a piece of the growth that you see as a band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So that is track 12, Endlessly. And we get to at track number 13, Thoughts of a Dying Atheist, uh, which is which is kind of a, a strange song because this one is almost the most like, like upbeat and positive sounding uh, musically of of the album um but obviously it's it's tackling you know pretty pretty tough stuff here um and you know obviously absolution i've said it like a thousand times now um it's an album that's dealing with kind of ideology you know be that religious or be that political or you know kind of whatever um and you know the the title of this out of the song is very pointed obviously right thoughts of a dying atheist but i don't think like the song kind of kind of addresses that but i don't think that that specifically is what the song is about i think it's it's more about just having your ideologies uh, tested in some way no matter what you believe in you're going to get to a point at some point or another where you have to you have to really like commit right like you're like pot committed to to seeing that thing through right no matter what you believe in at some point uh that's going to get put to the test um and i think that's what this song uh really is about and i think that it's an interesting way to uh kind of you know propose that uh that hypothesis in the album you know an album that's about you know, your ideologies, your beliefs, um, those structures to, to then looking at it and be like, okay, th this is what you've believed in now. Now what? <laughs> right. Yeah. I always found it really interesting growing up um, where, you know, if, if the, the idea of this song, I absolutely love because we like to think, uh, well, society at large is like, well, you know, atheists don't believe in anything, so they have it easy because they can sin all they want or do bad things or whatever, and they don't have a moral compass somehow. Um, but but when you get to the idea of death, right, and it's like, well, if, if they're wrong um, and uh, there is a God out there that's like going to put them in hell that that's not cool and when death is staring you at the in the face are you going to then um say well i i'm going to reach out to something and hold on to the hope that there is something or am i going to um really stick to my guns and be like this is the end and it's okay and it happens to everybody and i'm not going to be afraid and and it's i love this song and to me this was an answer um to the time is running out song because mm. you know when 
when it, it had the same, it has the same fervency for me where in time is running out. It's like, I, I'm not going to let you ruin this love or this relationship or whatever it is that I'm trying to detect, to protect. And yet the clock is ticking. And, and here is like, the clock has ticked. Like <laughs> the moment has arrived. And what is it? Do you, do you do with that? Are you, you know, how afraid are you going to be to be faced with your convictions and the things that you believe or don't believe um, right at the end? And I really thought that that was just super interesting. And it makes sense that it's at the end of the album um, because it's like the end all song, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of end of the album, that is where we are at. Track 14, kind of, asterisk, uh, ruled by secrecy. Um, so this is the end of the album, if you would have listened to it in 2003, um, unless you got the album in Japan, um, or you've gotten it digitally since. Um, so uh, we're going to get into that uh, that next track here in a second. But um, ruled by secrecy, it's very much this very soft piano piece. Uh, Matt Bellamy is singing in this very high falsetto. Um, and then it gives way into like this little piano um kind of solo almost in this minor key uh which is very very like downtrodden and very remorseful sounding the song to me it has like a ton of like unsolved mystery vibes uh, to it in the way uh, that it's coming across and it has a very like uneasy feeling to me um here and i think that it's a perfect kind of end piece to the album uh notwithstanding this bonus track we're going to talk about um because it, the song kind of presents itself as just this mystery, um, which is really kind of, you know, the theme of the whole album. You, you look at like the cover artwork and you're seeing um, on the vinyl, it's like a little girl or there's there's a gentleman standing there and you're seeing these figures uh, kind of coming in like the shadows of these figures. And you don't know um, if just looking at the album cover, if those people are ascending to heaven, if they're descending uh, from a spaceship or if they're descending from from you know wherever you you know it's it's very open to interpretation and that's kind of what rule by secrecy is right it's very much just like laying laying it out right uh, this album was very open to interpretation and this is you know, kind of the kind of the final chapter just reminding you that there's no real answers to be found in these 14 tracks only the way that you're thinking about uh this album yeah very deeply like deep-seated thought around this i mean i think uh, this is the perfect time to um, finish up uh, your maybe second or third of the absolution cocktails that you've made because um, at the end of the day, it's 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 it didn't take itself so seriously at the end. Um, I did write, you know, where's Robert Stack when you need him in my notes because I definitely <laughs> got yeah. this do, 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 kind of vibe to it. Um, I don't know. I like this one. I, I, I don't know if I can add anything more than what you just said. Yeah. So there you go. That is ruled by secrecy. That's where the album ends. Um, and in my opinion, that is where the album ends. Uh, there is a bonus track. It's called Fury. Uh, like I said, if you got this album in Japan or if you've gotten it digitally since, uh, there's this track called Fury. I had never heard the song uh, until earlier this year. So fun fact, whenever we're going to a concert, my wife will make a playlist of basically just all the songs from the bands that we're about to go see. So uh, we had a bunch of Muse on this playlist uh, that we've been listening to because I saw them earlier this year and I heard the song. I'm like, what the heck song is that? I'm, I'm pretty well versed in my Muse. If you saw my post of all the Muse albums, um, I know my songs, but I never heard this. I'm like, what is this? So I looked it up. I'm like, oh, it's this weird like bonus thing uh, that never happened. So in my in my eyes, it never happened. Uh, but the song is pretty good. Um, apparently, Matt Bellamy really liked the song, but they like vetoed him on putting it on in the first place. So uh, there you go. It's kind of like this blend, like like this like this heavy metal slash pop ballad song. 
uh, which is which is really kind of kind of strange, kind of strange. That's exactly um, how I would describe it: heavy and, metal and heavy yeah. pop. Heavy metal, heavy pop. I don't know. It's like K-pop, K K metal. Is it K metal? Is that a thing? K I don't metal. Know. I don't know. Let's but do that's, it. That's what Fury is. Um, it's it's a pretty good tune. Um, like I said, I don't subscribe to it on my fourteen track perfection of absolution, but it's it's a good one. It's worth a listen. Give it a listen. Yeah, I I didn't know. I mean, I saw that it was a bonus track, um, and I knew you would know the backstory behind it. I I, I don't know. I don't think it ends uh, the album as well as uh, if if it wasn't there. I I kind of like that it's that it's an extra track because if you like news, you're gonna like it, and that's great. Um, but I I think that the album definitely should have ended with Rules by Secrecy because I think that that really puts a nice bookend to the end of it. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Um, so that is uh, the 2003 album Absolution by Muse. So, Michaela, you'd said that you, um, you knew, you know, kind of the kind of the radio hits, um, you know, and there's been a few kind of off and on over the, I don't know, they've been, uh, Muse has been a band for a long time. I think like their first concert, like as Muse was like in 1994 or something like that, which is just crazy. Like it's like 30 years Um you know, almost at this point, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Um, so you knew kind of the hits. You made a drunken purchase to go see them in concert. But have you ever done any like digging into Muse or any of their other albums spoke to you more than this? Or was it just always like this band? You're like, oh, OK, that's that that big British band that comes around every once in a while or. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I so I started <laughs> when we talked about this podcast. Right. And we were saying we were going to do this album. Uh, I started to really dig in and I'm really enjoying the the way um, that I'm I, I'm starting to absorb music. And so now um, I've gone in and listened to all of the stuff because you can get this digitally and I wouldn't be able to do this if if I wasn't able to do it digitally. Um, but I was able to start listening to it from uh, Muse from the very beginning and go through all of the albums that came out in uh, chronological order. And that's been really interesting because as everybody knows, right, everybody changes. This band has, uh, like you said, they're 30 years old. So um, they're kind of vibe and and sound experience has definitely lengthened and deepened over time. Um, and that's been really cool to see. I mean, I, and I'm really lucky because there's a lot of Muse uh, fans that probably are a lot more into Muse than I was. And I kind of saw them on a fluke um, and I didn't have enough appreciation for them at the time, I don't think. Um, but I'm looking forward to them ever having uh, going out on tour again because I won't, I will not, uh, I will not waste it. <laughs> I will not waste it. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think that I could say that I'm a, I'm a proper Muse fan now. No. Um, and I, I think for any folks um, who maybe aren't, this is definitely a really good primer um, album to listen to and give it a listen. And again, I really recommend um absorbing it from beginning to end because i think that you'll lose something if you just listen to the hits or you just listen to them out of context that's right yeah absolutely there's a lot of uh muse ground to explore and uh, maybe we'll do that maybe we'll do that over on our patreon sometime maybe do another couple of albums i've actually got some quick tips we're gonna uh quick hits we're gonna throw out over uh, to our patreon uh here real, real quick but that is uh absolution from muse uh one of my favorite albums from 
or no, it's it's definitely my favorite album from one of my absolutely favorite bands. Um, it's an album that I've loved for uh, 20 years now. Um, and, you know, certainly there are a lot of other really good Muse albums out there. So let us know what Muse album is your favorite, if you've ever seen them live, uh, what you think about them, what you think about this album, and let us know if you make an Absolution cocktail because we want to see pictures of it, uh, feedback, all that stuff. You can do that on our social medias. It's at Drink Movies on, on Instagram and x and threads uh at drink the movies uh it's facebook.com slash drink the movies uh go to our website which is www.drinkthemovies.com uh you can see uh pictures of our cocktail that recipes episode recaps all that fun stuff get uh linked up to our patreon which is where we have bonus stuff it's a great way to support the podcast uh so make sure you're going to check all that stuff out and then we're going to have a new album coming again next week so that vote will be up on patreon for our patrons to vote and then we'll mix up a cocktail and talk about it next week so go there check that out and make sure you get subscribed. Michaela, where can they do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, anywhere where Spotify podcasts are supported. Uh, anything, if you're listening to us right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button. Go ahead and press it. Uh, we would love it if you did uh, because we've got all the Drink the Music goodness to show you. Um, we do two drops a week. It's a lot of fun. Um, we are so excited. I, I we We've... We're like in the top hundred of podcasts talking about music and all things entertainment. True. Did you know that, Brian? Yeah, I, so. I did. Only only because you sent it to me. Uh, so that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Love to see love to see all that stuff. And yeah, it's uh, been just on a on a side personal note, I guess, from the podcast. It's been very scary uh, transitioning from movies to music. You know, we've been having fun do it, but it is it is still scary, right? When you have to abandon yeah. what you're doing um, in the for the sake of getting people fair and you know, righteous uh, treatment at work and fair compensation and uh, all that stuff. And we're, we're happy to do it, but it was scary. So we've been, we've been loving the feedback we've been getting. It's opened up a, a lot of fun dialogue uh, for us with our fans and uh, people out there on social medias and stuff like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, keep it coming because we couldn't do what we do uh, without you all um, to talk to us about all things cocktails, all things music, all things entertainment. Um, we really are grateful for the community that you all have helped to build. Absolutely. So uh, again, that is uh, Absolution by Muse. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we'll be back to talk about another album next time on Drink, Drink the, the Music. music.